Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, relationship coach, and rehabilitation counselor. I'm also a Christian who for years grew up in a church that taught me to fear God instead of love God. For years, I felt betrayed by God and felt like God didn't love me because I wasn't perfect and because I didn't do the right thing all of the time. For years, I felt like I was destined to go to hell because there was no way I could keep all of God's laws and there was no way I could win God's approval. It wasn't until I began to read and study the Bible on my own that I realized that, yes, there is nothing I could ever do to be perfect. I will never be able to win God's approval. But the great thing about it is that I didn't have to because God loves me the way I am and God is here to help me through any and everything that I go through. It wasn't until I realized that God was there for me and that what I had been taught about God my whole life was a lie that I began to understand who God really was. It wasn't until I began to lose my religion and focus on God that I understood who God was and his amazing love for me and how much he loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different journey and a different path to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Finding God. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week on the podcast, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Dr. Heidi K. Begay, and she is a podcaster, entrepreneur, flutist, and consultant. I first met Heidi in one of the Facebook groups that we're both in, and we started to talk, and then we had a phone call, and her personality and my personality fit so perfectly together. It was almost like we knew each other immediately. So I'm very excited for you to hear her story about how she found God through some of the most difficult and painful times in her life. So without further ado, here is Heidi's story about how she found God. Hello, Heidi. How are you doing today? Oh, good. Thank you, Kiana. Welcome so much to Finding God Podcast. I'm so, so happy to have you on the show as a guest, and I just can't wait to hear your story about how you found God. I am so thrilled to be here, and it's amazing to be in this new friendship with you and to be on your wonderful show. Thank you so much, because I feel the same way. It seems like from the first time I talked to you, it's like I already knew you, which is weird. (laughs) But I've always I felt like that from the first conversation. So I am just happy about our friendship and I'm glad to have you here on the show with me. Oh, you're so kind. And that's the wonderful thing about being believers. We're mm-hmm. sisters in faith. And so that's why I think when we've connected as strangers, air quote, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not really strangers. We love and we believe in Christ. And so therefore we're a part of the same spiritual family. That is so true. And I think that has a huge difference because it's like we just had that connection. So I totally agree with you. That has a lot to do with everything. My first question is, what was your childhood like? Hmm. My childhood was great. Um, I had loving parents. Um, I grew up outside of Chicago in the suburbs called Westmont and Donners Grove. And so I'm (laughs) Chi-Town. 
all the way. And now we live in Texas. But in my childhood, um, yeah, Chicago is my hometown. And I'm the eldest of three of my brother, um, Eric, is the second. And my sister, Catherine, is the youngest. Um, I have fond memories of, you know, taking swimming lessons and piano lessons, flute lessons, things like that, you know, Mm. a normal family. Um, My dad actually was a missionary son, um, and he grew up and lived outside of Tokyo, Japan for 20 years. So I had that cool cultural, you know, yeah. And then my mom's side, her dad was also a son of a missionary. And so my great grandfather was a missionary in Central African Republic. And so he was born and raised in Africa, came over to the States. And so I bring that up just because we are talking about our upbringing in Christ and the church. Um, And so I was raised from both sides, having these uh, missionary backgrounds. Um, So I was very blessed. Yeah. And so we grew up in the church, um, Hinsel Baptist Church. And yeah, great spiritual leaders throughout that, that family and that organization, pastors, elders, women who really um, helped mold me. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful for being raised in a home led by my mother, especially my mother, who really brought us up through Christ. And we read the Bible. We went to Sunday school. We went to Awanas, as they called it back in the day. <laughs> Bible camp, um, you name it. And so I served my church when I was about 13. I started playing flute. And I remember every week playing with Karis, who was the pianist at the time. And I was able to serve with my gifts in that way. And I played an offertory, the postlude, the prelude. Um, and I loved glorifying God through my instrument. So that's a little bit about my childhood and my upbringing in Christ. That is awesome because when I was younger, I also grew up in the church and everything. And I was I went to um, prayer meetings. It's pretty much anytime church is open, I was pretty much there. Choir rehearsals, anytime there was anything going on because I didn't play any instruments, but I did sing. And so I was singing the choir. I was singing for special music. So I totally understand where you're coming from, where you get a certain age in church and you start actually doing things in church and serving your church in that manner. I totally get that because I did the same thing my sisters and I. Now, during this time, I know you were told a lot about God because I know I was too, but exactly like what was the one thing that you remember that you were taught that as a child that stuck with you or just had some significance about God? Great question. I think First, I think my foundation in knowing God was so biblically based, um, which was great um, because my encouragement to everybody is to be in a church and a church body where they are biblically based um, because it is the word of God. So growing up, we, I saw God's love through my mother, um, the way she took care of the homeless or the way that she nurtured her friends, I really saw God's love through her. And so those 
the, um, those Bible stories really came to life through those Christian women and men um, where I got to see their testimonies and how they treated and loved people through Christ. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I just grew up knowing God and loving God in such an intimate way. And it only got better as I grew into my adulthood. And so um, glad you said that, because I was going to ask about um, how did, you know, what happened during your teenage years, because I know it's different for a lot of people. Adolescence is different for a lot of people when it comes to God and church and religion and what they grew up with. Some people, you know, they hear certain things, but then they stray. Other people ask questions like, what was it like for you? During my teenage years, I was not good. <laughs> Um, I really went off the path <laughs> and it's not that I fell out of love, you know, with God, he was still a part of my life, but I was not in his will. Right. I really, I had a traumatic experience when I was a child and it wasn't until my teenage years where the con not the consequences, but the results of that traumatic experience really started uh, being painful in my life where I was coping through those emotions that weren't dealt with. And so because of that, I was choosing and making decisions in my life that weren't healthy. <laughs> and, you know, it took a couple things for uh, me to realize, oh, shoot, this is not what God would want for me. I'm not in his will. And um, yeah, I got shook right back into um, clinging to him and, and being in his will. And so if there's anyone out there listening to this and you are a teenager, you know, um, we're not perfect. I'm still not perfect. Even at 35 years old, <laughs> I still make mistakes all the time. Um, but God loves you and he's seeking, he's seeking you out and he wants to be in a relationship with you and, and all of that. So yeah, my teenage years were not my <laughs> shining moments. <laughs> No, I totally get it. Mine were not either. I know during my teenage years, it was like I had, actually, I don't even know. It's like during my teenage years in our house, we couldn't listen to any music except gospel music. But then the teenage years, since I'm a music lover and I like to sing, I would kind of sneak and listen to like music that was not church music. So I would keep my headphones on and listen to it. But then as I got older, I tell people my quote unquote, and I say quote unquote rebellious stage happened when I was like 18 through 20. And that's only because I had a car I could drive. And, you know, my mom was doing her thing. I lived at home, but, you know, I had more freedom to go do what I wanted to do when I was in college. So I did go to parties. I did go to dances. And after a while, I did stop doing that. But, you know, that was pretty much the extent of my rebellious years. And then I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. And I guess I only did it because I was told I shouldn't do it. And I wanted to do it. And then after a couple of times, I was mm. like, this is just not for me. Because, you know... I could just feel this, that was not where, what I should be doing. And it just didn't feel right. It wasn't fun to me. And so mm. it wasn't fun. So I was just like, well, guess I won't be doing this. <laughs> so I stopped. <laughs> so, you know, I think during those years, it's one of those times where it's like, you know stuff, but then you have to kind of figure it out on your own and just kind of have that little experience because you're not the only one. I don't think I've talked to anybody, to be honest, who were good during their teenage years or adolescence. But I think everyone has done pretty much the same thing during their adolescence yeah. and teenage years because they're trying to figure things out. So mm. I guess that's just how it goes. But at least people would know they're not alone because it's just something that mostly everybody does. During that time, however, yeah. you did mention how um, you did still have a relationship with God. And you said that even though you hadn't left him or anything, you're still doing some things. So 
when you say you hadn't left him, were you still, you're probably still talking to him, praying, going to church, that kind of thing, correct? Oh, yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah, because that's what I was doing too. <laughs> but <laughs> so when did you realize while you were doing that, that God was not mad at you and that he still wanted to talk to you and have a relationship during that time? What made you realize that? I realized kind of like you, you know, oh, I'm told don't do that. So you go and do that. <laughs> and then you realize, you know, there, there are consequences to those poor actions or poor decisions. And so at some point I let that go, I think, especially when I went off to college. And so around 17, 18, when I was deciding where I wanted to pursue my undergraduate studies, that's really where I felt like I was coming back to him because I mean, quite frankly, I think I was being a little selfish and saying, okay, this is what I want. Like, where do you want me to go to school? So, um, you know, but regardless, I really, I turned um, a new chapter to say, I want to pursue my bachelor's studies. Where would you like for me to go? Can you lead me down that path, lead me to the school that you want me to study at? And so I think I started pursuing him as I was making that decision. And he really put great people in my life through the church that I mentioned earlier, Hinsdale Baptist Church. And uh, elders were praying for me and I didn't know um, exactly where I wanted to study, but uh, with his guidance and with being in prayer and being in scripture and having people pray over me, um, I was able to make a decision. So that's what happened during that transition. That is amazing. And so once you got to college, what was it like? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, my college experience was very unique. I attended three universities in four years. Wow. And that was not planned at all. <laughs> that was divine intervention. And my first school, I went to EIU in Charleston, Illinois to study with Brian. And then he received a job in Tucson. And then I transferred to study with Diane in Nacogdoches, Texas. And then she received a job to Alabama. And so I was going to stay put in Nacogdoches, Texas. And um, God had other plans. And Brian in Arizona called and said, come over here now. I have a spot open for you. Um, and then I transferred to the University of Arizona in Tucson. And that's where I just so happened met my future husband, Eric. So it was all a part of the plan. And apparently for me to skip around the country. <laughs> um, but the reason why I did that was because, um, you know, I'm a flutist. And so I was pursuing a flute performance degree. And so it's unlike most degrees out there where it's not just the department you're looking at. You're wanting to, as a musician, study with one very specific person. And so I was hopping around because I was wanting to study with those very specific people, Brian and Diane, because it's just a different niche. And so that's why I was hopping around. They kept moving, getting jobs. And I really felt God was walking before me each time um, that I was transferring. Um, it's not what I had planned, but that's how it all unfolded. <laughs> And it sounds amazing, though, because I was I'm glad you explained about how you're a flutist and everything, because I could totally understand why you would do that and why you would go to train with the best per person, because if you're training with one person, you don't want to keep switching to somebody else. It's better just to stay with who you have and who you're used to, and they can teach you everything that you want to know, because I'm sure that's why you picked the program to begin with, because you like the way they taught, you like the way they played and performed. So, yeah, 
It totally makes sense. It sounds like a lot of fun, to be honest. I think it's neat that you were able to do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny because in hindsight, I think it was kind of preparing me for my adulthood. Because now if you fast forward 15, 20 years, if you look, or not that much, about 10 years, <laughs> but if you look at, you know, the current life I'm living, I live a very nomadic lifestyle. I mean, I've hopped around throughout Europe and have had Europe, uh, European residencies. I've gone here and there for jobs. And so I don't know if those formative years of being 19, 20, 21 kind of prepped me for this current adult life that I'm leading now. And so I'm used to living out of a suitcase and I'm used to just picking up and going after a year. Um, now I'm 35 and now Eric and I, my husband, we are considering buying a house because now I'm getting the gray hairs and saying, I need <laughs> some kind of stability and I need some roots. But it's, it is interesting. You're right to see how God maybe prepared me in 1920 with that and, and coping with those transitions in order to maybe set me up well for that nomadic lifestyle as an adult. Yeah, and once you think it, like you said, because it takes a lot for a person to be able to move from place to place. It's not something everybody can do. And so for you to have that experience, I just find it to be amazing. And it, like you said, it did help you with your adulthood. And I'm extremely interested to hear what took you to Europe. Oh, good question. Actually, my podcast. <laughs> so I'm the host and creator of my podcast called Food360. And it's an educational platform to help foodists navigate this modern era and different possibilities um, for the modern day musician. And so as a musician, there are different facets that we need to present to the community, being a performer, being an educator, um, being a creative in some capacity. And so for me, my creative outlet is the podcast and Europe actually became a thing because I had some connections in Greece. I had some friends, uh, George and Nikos and Navart, and I went out there to basically set up camp and do a residency, work with Navart, and give concerts with Nikos at the Archaeological Museum and Atolio College in Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki is the second largest city in Greece, yeah. and it was a wonderful three months. And then I kind of, um, after 90 days, you have to get outside of the Schengen area. And so just north of Greece is Romania and Bulgaria, and they are non-Schengen countries. And yeah. so we went up there so I could do the same thing. But basically, being that flutist and, and performing at these venues is a very traditional role. But because I had that very unique project, my Flute360 podcast, musicians got wind of it and they said, oh, while you are out here giving concerts and masterclasses, how about you talk about your Flute360 podcast? And so I think that really gave me a leg up to be able to present new material and new topics to the community that other flutists perhaps didn't have experience with. And so, yeah, always find your, your unique skill sets that you can um, share with the community because we're all so different yeah. and none of us are going to have the same skill sets, background, and things to offer our world. So my encouragement in all of that is to say, find your unique skill set because 
what you have to offer is just like a unique thumbprint or a fingerprint. Um, and people are, are going to be attracted to that. They're going to invite you to those things because of your uniqueness. That is amazing. And I've heard your play before. I heard it on one of your podcast episodes and I really love it. It's so beautiful. So I can see why you went over there and why you're able to play and do master classes. It was amazing. So guys, if you have not heard her play yet, you should definitely listen to her podcast and you will hear some amazing music because she is truly awesome. Now, did you play a lot once you um, came back over here? Did you have a certain church you went to? Did you play a lot? at any of the churches when you came back over here? Good question. We actually, that was a blessing. That was totally a godsend that we came home early. So we came home January, 2020, and we were meant to stay in Europe until May or August of 2020. Oh, wow. But my husband, um, end of December, beginning of January, around that time, he was having the worst panic attacks. And it was so unlike Eric because I'm fire and he's water. I mean, he is so cool. <laughs> Nothing bothers him. And here I've known him for 15 years and here he's saying his chest hurts. And so as his wife, I'm freaking out because yeah. we're abroad, you know, with our two cats mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, oy vey, this is not good. Yeah. And so he just said, I want to go home. I want to go home. I said, okay. So we ended the residency about five, six months early and come to find out he was fine. We checked him out. All of his, you know, EKGs and the different tests were totally fine. But um, one week later, international travel came to a halt because of COVID. Yeah. So God brought us home right in the nick of time. Um, and here I was being a spoiled brat saying, no, I want to stay in Europe a little bit longer. <laughs> You can't make me go home. And uh, God and Eric were just like, no, this is going to happen. And um, sure enough, he protected us from all of that craziness. And so when we got back to the States mid-January, basically, um, we, we knew things weren't good once we saw international travel had halted. So we didn't really pursue a church or anything public for that matter. Because then in March, as we all know, the lockdown happened uh, because of the COVID. Yeah, and that's the thing that I find amazing that you guys are back. I'm thankful you guys got back over here because just watching the news, you saw all those people panicking at the airports, not sure if they could leave. So the fact that you were able to get over here before any of that stuff even happened is truly a blessing. So like you said, it all worked out. Now I do have a question. I know that um, you say you're living in Texas. What brought you to Texas once you left Europe? Texas has been basically my second home outside of mm -hmm. Chicago. To kind of backtrack a little bit, after my master's in 2009, I received a job to teach 40 to 50 flutists in the DFW area. And so I did that from 2009 to 2015. And then in 2015, I started my doctorate. So then after I did my doctorate, lived in Texas a little bit, did Europe, it was just natural for us to come back to Texas because that was home base. Okay, so we're going to go back when you, you were um, going to church. I know that um, church is a place where there's lots of people. And I know we all have had positive experiences and negative experiences. So I want you to tell me about a positive experience. Great question. Yes, this can be 
a trigger maybe for a lot of people. Um, and my disclaimer is that, you know, finding a church God filled body <laughs> that is, like I said earlier, biblically based is such a blessing because nowadays when you look, you know, through the newspapers, right. And online, and you see these stories, there's a lot of evil at times going through these churches and it, it breaks my heart, you know, because that's not how God intended the church to be. If you are in a church that you are experiencing more negative experiences than positive experiences, please pray about it and get advice and godly wisdom to find a solution to the problem. So I do want to say that first because um, I felt that was on my heart. So a positive experience is, oh, I can't, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. I mean, even, you know, we attended First Baptist Church of Keller for a very long time in Texas. And during that time, I was going through a lot of um, spiritual, mental, physical um, issues because my husband and I have been dealing with infertility. And boy, that will do a trigger, <laughs> a huge blow to your identity. You feel rejected. It is so painful. Um, and so for me on my side, um, the thing that contributes to the infertility is that I have endometriosis. And so that physical pain that I was going through during that time was intense. I, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. And so the pain throughout my left pelvis, pelvic area, it was just insane. I mean, it just, I just, I really would not wish it on my worst enemy. And so, you know, there were weeks I remember going to church and not having slept the night before and just being there and just completely emotionally and physically drained and friends and, and women who, who knew me would see this. And right after the sermon and after, you know, praise and worship, you know, in the halls, you know, I, I can see these women taking me down to a private hall and just giving me a big hug and praying over me. And I'm going to cry just because that's, I mean, to have people in your life to do that, to support you and encourage you and to lift you up during times of such sorrow and despair. It's, it's such a shining light. And so for them just to wrap their arms around me and to pray for me and and pray for physical healing and things like that just blow my mind. And so that's just one of many <laughs> examples of positive yeah. um, experiences coming out of a church. But tell me another good experience. The next experience that I can think right off the top of my head is again, another um, friend who happens to be a woman during that time of infertility, you know, she asked how Eric and I were doing because she knew that we had some procedures going on during that time. And I remember after, after a service one Sunday, again, she just prayed over me and she specifically said, after the prayer, she looked at me and she said, it's all in God's season. This is not your season to be a mother. This is your season to help your sister get through her master's um, from Abilene. This is your season to be teaching flute to the Fort Worth flutists. This is yours. And she was just so, it was from God. I mean, you just felt his, um, his power and his words and his love coming through her. And she was just, again, like I said earlier, lifting me up, encouraging me. And those words have 
stayed with me and really resonated with me till this day. And um, so if you can be that shining light and an encourager to somebody that you mm -hmm. see hurting, please do that because <laughs> I know I needed it. And I try, I'm not the best, but I try to do the same in return. And so, yeah, if you can really get into that God-filled, loving church body, the way that God intended, oh my goodness, there's nothing, it, it's a piece of heaven on earth. And I would like to add, just because you go to church does not mean that you are in a relationship with God. You can go and check it off and say, yeah, I sang that hymn and I read that scripture. You walk out an unchanged person and you don't let God totally have control of your life and intervene and be in God's will, mm -hmm. you know, and no judgment. I mean, cause I know I've been there, but yeah. I'm just saying just because you go to church does not mean that you are in that relationship with God. And so there is this balance you have to, you know, and that's, and when people hear church, you know, even when I talk to non-believers, they're like, oh, you go to church and you know, that's your religion. And yeah. like, yes, I'm a Christian. And yes, it's a religion. I guess God loves you. He's clinging to you. He's seeking you out. He wants to be in communion with you, not just on Sundays, right. but literally every second of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> some days, you know, how people say, oh, just get through, you know, Lord Jesus, get me through today. No, half the time I'm telling God, get me through this minute or <laughs> get me through this hour, you know? And so I don't have to go to church for that because he lives inside of me and he's mm -hmm. sitting beside me and holding my hand every second of the day. And I'm just so thankful for his mercies and for his grace in that regard, because I would not be here, you know, without him. And I would not be the woman that I am without Christ. So Yes, all of that's to say you can go to church, but um, make sure that you are actually in a relationship with Christ. And I love that. I love that you said that because relationship with God is the most important thing to have because like you say, you can mark everything off the list, but if you don't have the relationship, it kind of means nothing because you don't really know the person that you're supposed to be serving. What was it for you that made you realize that it's important to have that relationship with God more than anything? Oh my goodness. Again, I don't even know where to start. Um, because of going back to my childhood, I was taught that, you know, Christ is your savior. Um, and I read those Bible stories. And then it became personal for me. Um, I, I mean, really personal, like the pages or the text jumping off the page, right? Yeah. It wasn't anymore, oh, I'm reading this story in the Bible. Oh, that's nice. That happened thousands of years ago. It says God loves me. Oh, that's nice oh, you know, God healed the blind man and he rose Lazarus from the dead. Oh, that happened thousands of years ago. But when it actually like changed and shook up my world was when he healed um, a hairline fracture in my L5 vertebrae. So I was a ballet dancer and I fell, long story short, I said, I'm in pain. <laughs> and all these doctors were checking out stuff and they said, oh, it's growing pains. Oh, you're pregnant. I mean, they told this to me when I was 13. Yeah. Um, oh, it, you're making this up, you know? And then seven years later, seven years later, when I was 20 years old, wow. finally uh, a doctor said, oh my goodness, you have this hairline fracture on your L5 vertebrae. This is why you've been in pain for seven years. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was then just reading scriptures on healing 
you know, like I just mentioned, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, the blind man, the man with leprosy, um, things like that, right? And so I was 20 years old reading these biblical stories, and I'm like, oh my gosh, these stories are for us in the modern day. <laughs> it's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, yeah. right? The same God that healed Lazarus and the blind man is the mm -hmm. same God who's living with us right now. Right. And so if he's healing the blind man thousands of years ago, he can heal you through, you know, whatever physical or emotional uh, trauma or injury that you're going through right now. And I had hands laid on me when I was 20, 21, and I was miraculously healed. I mean, this was, yeah. And so, you know, I'm 35 now and, um, Lord knows like those seven years from 13 to 20, I remember being at SFA my sophomore year in French class and my back pain was so bad. I didn't know how to get out of the desk. I was thinking, how am I actually going to pick myself up to start walking out the door? And I was in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And I had done everything, physical therapy, meds, Vicodin, everything that you can think of was given to me. And he healed me when I was 21. And so that's when it became really apparent to me that this is a living, breathing God. <laughs> it wasn't just, you know, a, a God in the clouds who's watching over us. I mean, he was very much in my life and he showed himself in a, in a new way to me. Um, so that was one huge um, turning moment in my life. Um, and the other would be basically this infertility journey that I've been going on. And even post-graduation with my doctor in 2018, from 2018 to 2020, I was unemployed. And so talk about a double whammy to your identity. Like, you, you know, I want to be a mom. Oh, that's, that's not happening right now. <laughs> you know, you, you want to be employed and use your terminal degree that you work really hard on. Yeah. And so rejection, I felt so much rejection. And um, what I learned from that is here I'm seeking these titles, like to be a mom, to be a professor. And that's, and that's notable and worthy and respect, you know, respectable. Yeah. Um, but what God was teaching me through all of that is you have to lean on me. My ways are not your ways. My mm -hmm. thoughts are not your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're trying to sit in the throne. You're trying to be God. You're trying to call all the shots. And that's very Heidi. I love to be in control. I'm a very type A, cross the T's, dot the I's a certain way. Um, and he really taught me, you know, during these years that he's God and he knows what's best. Him showing up to me in my deepest valley um, these last three years has been such a huge relief for me. Um, and going back to what I said earlier, like he's a very personal God. He wants to be in that relationship on a very intimate level. He's, he doesn't, want to be excluded from your life and your daily activities. He wants to be very much a part of everything. And so dealing and struggling with that infertility and the, and the rejection of unemployment, what he taught me in that was your main identity is not mom. Your main identity is not wife. It's not professor. It's not any of these earthly titles. You are my daughter. You are my daughter and I love you. And, um, 
if there is somebody out there that's going through something very similar, that's what I would want to share with you is that you need to cling to him <laughs> with every fiber in your being, because that's all that matters. What advice would you give to someone who is actively searching for God right now? Oh my goodness. I, I think I've hinted at this before, um, but cling to him. Just cling to him no matter what season you're in. So whether you're in the valley or on the mountaintop, cling to him, love him, be in scripture, pray, surround yourself with other believers to lift you up during those hard times. And just know that he genuinely loves you with every fiber of his being more than you can ever fathom. Just know that he hasn't rejected you. He is there with you through every trial, through every up and down. He wants you to know that he will never leave you or forsake you. And you can call him daddy and say, hey, daddy, <laughs> I'm, you know, um, going through a lot today. I need your help. I need your guidance. And he will show up in very unexpected ways, very unique, unexpected ways where you're, you just get goosebumps and there can be no other explanation other than that was a divine intervention, mm -hmm. <laughs> a divine way for God to say, I'm here. I hear your hopes and dreams. I hear your sorrows. I hear that you're going through heck right now. God will show up for you. Like he's seeking you. He seeks us first. Mm -hmm. We think we seek him. We do, but he seeks us first. And so, um, keep showing up, keep praying. And, um, even if you think God is distant, he's not, he's right there and he's going to meet you in a very unique way. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Heidi. I really enjoyed your story. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Wow, what an amazing interview. The thing that I love the most about Heidi's interview is when she talks about how she was trying to find her identity and titles. And I understand that completely. We all have been there. We've all done that. Where we're trying to find out who we are based on titles. Like your daughter, your mother, your brother, your father. You have this job. Maybe you're a lawyer. Maybe you're a doctor. Maybe you work at Home Depot. Wherever you work, sometimes we try to attribute our value and our worth based on the titles that we are given either by ourselves our parents or society but the thing about it is that none of this matters God loves you for who you are it doesn't matter if you're a doctor or if you're a lawyer it doesn't matter if you're a mother or father it doesn't matter what you are the only thing that's important is that you are a child of God and he loves you you are enough and you don't have to have all these titles and label yourself to feel worthy you are worthy, you are loved by God, and you are his child, and you are enough. The song we're going to listen to this week is called What You Say by Sin Assassin. And Sin Assassin is also our artist of the week. This song is about how it doesn't matter what people say about you or what people think about you. It doesn't matter about the value people put on you or try to put on you. The only thing that matters is what God thinks about you because you are loved by God. If you would like to hear any more music by Sin Assassin, all of his information can be found in our show notes, including his Spotify page. So without further ado, here's the song, What You Say, by Sin Assassin. Mm -hmm. oh, 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 oh. Hey, 
what do you say, God, about me? Lord, what do you say, you say, matters the most about me? No matter what they say, they say, Lord, your words means everything. You're the most high, I'ma praise you, I'ma lift you high, God, cause your words is most high, oh God. I, oh, I, I don't care how they hate on me, hate on me. God, you're the one and only judge, ruler. So I gotta lift you. People steady trying to put me down. Let I'm tall, guys got my back. Front in my side, front in my side. Oh. You fight for me, something like my bodyguard. His truth is what I mean, dedicate my life to his will. And his purpose now, God, should be your focus. Plus, people's dying, people's lives Finding God 
at one of those different platforms so that you can get new episodes as soon as they become available. I also would love to encourage you to share with a friend so that they can also hear the episode and find out ways that many people find God. If you are interested in getting in contact with Heidi, all of her information is in the show notes, so all you have to do is click on her links and you will go straight to her pages. And if you want to get in contact with me, all of my information is also in the show notes. So you can just click on my links and you can get in contact with me as well. Well, I think that's all for this week. I hope you guys have an amazing week. I hope you have an amazing day and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.